Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. And welcome back to another episode of Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I am surrounded today by two of the M's, Mr. Mark Ellis yeah. and Mr. Scott Mance. Mark Ellis. Well, Scott, is great to have you back here today. He is a host, QA moderator, and a film critic, and somebody who I know was definitely talking about these two films when they were in theaters, and I'm sure on the radio and on TV. We're talking, of course, about Mr. Martin Scorsese's two most iconic films because it is his 80th birthday on November 17th. Literally 60 years of making movies, still at the top of his game. This week, we're going to be breaking down Goodfellas and Casino. That is like really kind of crazy. Are you a big gambler? I am not a big gambler, <laughs> except when I go to the movies. Really? What about you, Mark? You are not, a, you are not anything like I that. I do enjoy some blackjack. Really? Yeah. I love sitting down at the table. I love talking some white trash and okay. uh, having some fun with the dealer. But I also was introduced to the modern concept of video blackjack, which is great because whenever I'm ready to t- go back into my normal introverted self, mm-hmm. which people don't believe it happens, I just love playing video blackjack because you just play by yourself and it's cheaper. Because when you play like table blackjack and you're there in Vegas on like a Friday, Saturday night, you're $15, $20, $25 tables. That makes me nervous. But I can sit down. I can put 50 bucks into a video blackjack machine. The minimum bet is $5. And so I can just just keep flicking flicking little nickels up there. Um, I will go ahead and let's get a little bit more dived into it again. It's Martin Scorsese's 80th birthday. He's a Scorpio, just like... This guy. Yeah. Every time he talks about uh, Ron Tomatoes is when I realize he's a Scorpio. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, Fan shout out to Ben Morris. uh, Sorry, Ben Norris. I just watched Casino again recently. It's such an underappreciated classic with every performance being top notch. I think it's unfairly judged against Goodfellas, which is excellent by its own merits. Must ask Goodfellas versus Casinos. Again, you guys are the best. Thanks for the work that you do. First of all, Ben, I love you for comparing these two because you wanted to ask the question. I will say that this, I don't think it's even a good comparison because these two films are so similar. And I think the only fault they had is that they're too similar. I I, I feel like not only are they too similar, but they came out too close apart. Let's just say five years, five years, five years. There wasn't enough time to miss Goodfellas. And then boom, you got Casino. Like, let's say Casino came out 15 years later. 
then then you know in that case it'd be like oh man we haven't had a good like you know goodfellas type of movie from scorsese in a really long time you would have been hungry for casino but yeah. in the case of coming out five years later, like, didn't we just see this? What's interesting with Casino is it happens a lot with directors of Martin Scorsese's ilk, which I feel like they want to get a do-over. Like, as much as Martin Scorsese loves Goodfellas, if you hear him talking about it, like, it was a very hard production, and it was, like, very challenging. And he didn't, I think, get the story as well as he would have wanted. Because if you really look at the film, it is, like, a tight, and I'm talking murderous, hour and 15 minutes. And then the last hour or so gets a little bit more meandered if you judge them by the two halves. Well, well, what's great about Goodfellas uh, compared to Casino is that, first of all, Goodfellas is a, a, a good 45 minutes shorter than yes. Casino. And that's, you, you talk about it being a tight film. <laughs> yeah. That's the strength. It. Yeah. You feel it. Yeah. But here's the thing, like what's great about Goodfellas is that it's the, it's the rise, it's the good times, and then it's the downfall when, when like they, everyone gets their comeuppance. It's the consequence of living this life. To that extent, the way that Goodfellas is structured was very much uh, the way that Paul Thomas Anderson structured Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. Exactly, it's mm. like very, very, very similar. Now, what what Casino doesn't have is that same defined rise and fall, which is what makes Goodfellas a better movie. One thing I will say also about Boogie Nights: the fall in Boogie Nights is so much better. That was the part about Goodfellas, the alter former altar boy that Martin Scorsese was. Yeah, he was always dabbling with the evil. He mm. could never get with the evil that wasn't biblical, which was violence. Remember, all of the vi- violence is what Scorsese is known for. That's biblical. It's embracing it, the full. It's it's embracing the what full downfall. Yeah, it's embracing the full downfall. You can even see it in the Taxi Driver. Um, oh, shameless plug. Uh, I recently did a conversation with Quentin Tarantino for his new book, Cinema Speculation. Hey! And yeah, and one of the chapters or one of the books that he really dives into is, is Taxi Driver and this hypothetical that Taxi Driver was originally supposed to be directed by Brian De Palma. He uh, had the script uh-huh. and it went to Scorsese. And if you look at it, Squ- Martin Scorsese never betrays Travis Bickle. He always treats him very kindly. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's the sure. same way he treats his characters in this one. And I think in Goodfellas, he gets the bravado so well. But when you show his downfall, it almost feels like, Henry, what are you doing? When it should really be like, yeah, we know where you're going, Henry. Well, the thing about these two movies, though, is that I feel like the critics got more fatigue with from Goodfellas to Casino than the audience did because the yeah. audience, either one of these movies, are just such great breezy watches, which is weird when you talk about how in-depth and like detailed the subject matter is. But if it's on TV, it just immediately sucks you in. And Goodfellas and Casino feel like one long giant piece. And so Goodfellas, 96% certified fresh on the tomato meter. Casino dips down. It's still certified fresh, but it's only 79%. But the audience score for both of them are in the 90 percentiles with Goodfellas being 97% and Casino being 93%. And so, you know, when I I think I did a versus um, on Rotten Tomatoes right here uh, of, of Scorsese versus Spielberg. But it's like Scorsese is more known for like this sort of thing where Spielberg, he gets the rap of being the blockbuster guy, but he's also done a lot of smaller movies or different yeah. different genres. Scorsese has done that. Like, go watch a movie like Hugo, but then this is what he's most known for. And so I think the comparison is apt where it's like Casino or Goodfellas. And to Ben's point, there are fans out there that are like, no, I, I would rather watch Casino than Goodfellas. I, I think Scorsese's, uh, or Spielberg's most Scorsese-type movie is Munich. Yeah. Munich feels mm, like okay. little, the most like a Scorsese film. But you're right. Spielberg is more known for the blockbuster stuff, where, where some of Spielberg's 
best movies are actually uh, uh, closer to Scorsese sensibilities, like obviously uh, like Munich, but also, you know, Saving Private Ryan. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of bridges, Rise, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Before we get too far, though, I, I definitely want to make sure that we at least set the stage a mm-hmm. little bit um, mm-hmm. and sort of like get where we are. But but first, first and foremost, I need to get our definitive answer. Which or which? Mance. Oh. Absolutely, hands down. Goodfellas, are you kidding? Goodfellas? Without question, Rotten Tomatoes is right about this. For sure. I, I, I think on both fronts. I think the the number itself yeah. is pretty accurate for both Goodfellas and Casino. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Think, because uh, I, I don't think that Casino is a bad film. I just think that it came out too close to Goodfellas. It's only five years. It is too similar. It ain't Goodfellas. And, and it ain't Goodfellas. Now, what if, what if Casino, Jacqueline Coley, what if Casino came out first? Hmm. What if Casino came out in 1990 and then Goodfellas came out five years later? How will the scores really <laughs> change on Rotten Tomatoes is wrong? I mean, I don't know, but I have a hard time with it because I'm, I'm in a different place because I actually like before we get to that question, like my question on it. I actually think Rotten Tomatoes is right on this. I do think Goodfellas is better, but yeah. I actually think Casino is worse because Martin Scorsese grew as a filmmaker in that time period. But he regressed as far as what he chose to do with this film. I completely agree. Yeah. I so agree. he actually became a better filmmaker in that time. And so the look of Casino. So that's 79% you think is too high. Yeah. For a Casino. Bit. I actually do. For for what he actually does okay. on screen, because this is the difference between the audience score and the critic score of this one. And then I want to take us to movie or to two minutes with Tim real quick. Yeah. Is the audience is passion. And the passion that Martin Scorsese has for these characters and these people is evident through everything that he does. Mm -hmm. His skill has risen throughout all of the endeavors that he's done since then. I mean, he did Cape Fear after this. And Cape Fear, to me, is just just killing the game, Martin Scorsese, in my opinion, as far as what he could be in his best sentiments. And by the time he gets to Casino, he's retreating back into himself to try and make his John Ford epic about... uh, subject matter that was not built for John Ford Epics. Cape Fear came out the year after Goodfellas and it was up to that point it was his most commercially successful film. Yeah. Counselor. But yeah. <laughs> oh, but the, the, yeah. yeah, the last scene on the boat yeah. in the rain yeah. uh, is is so crazy. Good. It's yeah. so, so good. But yeah, you're right. I, I think that he was evolving as a filmmaker and, and uh, you know, when Casino came out in 95, it was like Scorsese putting on a comfy pair of slippers, right? Yeah. Especially after the Age of Innocence, which was which was a period piece. Yeah. yeah. And a period piece that people didn't understand. But let's like, hold on before we start going too far. <laughs> let's listen to what Tim had to say. Take us back to 95 and 90 because there's a lot of context that he could give us. And let's take it away, Brian, with the music. Cue Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. Before we get into this, I want to say that I think Goodfellas is a better movie, but I've probably seen Casino in bits and pieces dozens more times. Back when I had cable and I would be channel surfing, it seemed like Casino was always on, albeit with some of the more colorful language edited out. I'd stumble upon it when I was clicking through channels and I'd say to myself, I guess I know what I'm doing for the next couple hours. But anyway, here's the breakdown. Goodfellas from 1990 is certified fresh at 96% on the tomato meter with 105 reviews and it has a 97% audience score. Casino from 1995 is certified fresh at 79% with 70 reviews, and it has a 93% audience score. So what do the critics have to say? In a fresh review of Goodfellas, Sheila Benson of the Los Angeles Times wrote, Goodfellas, which somehow mixes its horrors with a deep vein of mordant humor, flows with the exuberance of a filmmaker who has every detail nailed and a few lovely moves he wants to show us. 
In a fresh review of Casino, Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote, of all the bravura visual effects in Martin Scorsese's dazzlingly stylish Casino, it's a glimpse of ordinary people that delivers the greatest jolt. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus for Goodfellas reads, hard-hitting and stylish, Goodfellas is a gangster classic and arguably the high point of Martin Scorsese's career. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus for Casino reads, Impressive ambition and bravo performances from an outstanding cast help Casino pay off in spite of a familiar narrative that may strike some viewers as a safe bet for director Martin Scorsese. So that's Goodfellas and Casino. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Mark, who are the kind of folks who root for the bad guys in the movies. That's actually fair. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> um, depends on the movie. Yeah, sure. It's, if they have an ethos, I usually understand. As far back as I can remember, I always, I always wanted, wanted to be, be a gangster, a podcast host. Uh, <laughs> even better. Look, I don't want to get too far into the. I do like what Tim says about Casino because he is right about that, that I feel like Casino was way more prevalent. Like Casino was a TNT movie that you saw all the time. And Goodfellas, for some reason, it was infamous with its violence. I don't think they could cut around it as well. Uh, well, first of all, with, with Goodfellas, I've seen the movie so many times, like so many times. And, and it's the kind of movie I could watch anytime, any day, no matter what mood I'm in. If you wanted to stop and pause right now and watch it right now, I'd be totally totally down for that. And and it's not a movie I need to rewatch because I have seen it so many times. But to prep for this podcast, I had to go back and watch Casino because I haven't seen it in a really long time. Huh. So I watched it in one sitting, three hours and 15 minutes. And I'm just like, yeah, it really is like Goodfellas in Vegas. It's it the, the characters are are not as interesting. The the story is not as as fully defined. Uh it, it's it doesn't have that like like more defined arc like Goodfellas has. Uh, but it's still a really, really good movie. It's just that, you know, how do you follow Goodfellas with the same movie and not get compared to Goodfellas? Yeah, which I think that's what critics were talking about at the time, and that's definitely what we're going to be talking about a little bit at the time before we get a bit of a Martin Scorsese history lesson. So let's go ahead and move on into movie talk. I really feel weird even doing this because I think Martin Scorsese's daughter, um, who gives him Marvel-wrapped Christmas presents uh, every year, probably maybe listens to Rotten Tomatoes is wrong, but there is not a fiber of my being that will allow myself the thought that he will ever hear this. But I will say it's it's a it's an interesting thing because I feel Martin Scorsese has done so much for films and filmmaking and the preservation. And he's such a great film historian. He's such a great champion of this thing that we've all in some way, shape, or form dedicated our life to. But being a fan of his work, when you look at it now in the grander sense, and when you look at it now when he talks about where movies are, for me is much more complicated. It is much more complicated to see Martin Scorsese as this um, established filmmaker nearing the end of their career, lament over what privileges they're no longer available to them when I realized that was privileges that were never available for black, female, or brown filmmakers. So it's like a hard thing for me. So it's a weird thing for me to be a fan of Martin Scorsese now. I think it's easier for y'all, but like, what is it like for you being a fan of him this long? Well, just in terms of Martin Scorsese and like, you know, there, there's always a comment on Twitter, like he thinks the Marvel movies are theme yeah. park rides or, or any, anything like that. I afford people who are his age, yeah. a few get off my lawn moments. <laughs> you know, I'm 42 and I have those. So who would I be if I was like, oh, come on, Martin. The guy's 80. I Let him think I that they're theme him. park rides. I give him, but it does make being a fan of his more complicated as I get older. But it makes 
makes a fan of being Quentin Tarantino more complicated as, over, as I get older. And that doesn't mean that either one of them are not filmmakers where if they make another movie, I'm not queuing it well, up. Well, the other thing that I think we've had to rectify with our with our modern society and how we know everybody's dirty laundry now is that you have to separate art from artists sometimes. And sometimes. So, so it, and I, it, the, it's less about me holding a poster of Martin Scorsese in my bedroom, but I can still put a poster of either Goodfellas or The King of Comedy or Hugo in, in my bedroom. And and I it's so hard for me to say, as Tim did, that Goodfellas is the height of Martin Scorsese's career because I feel like he's not a single peak kind of filmmaker. I feel like he's the Himalayas. Yeah. I feel like there's a bunch of incredible peaks. For Goodfellas sure might be his Everest, but there's a lot of there's a lot of really tall mountains. I, I think first of all, when it comes to Scorsese, you know, making a making a comment about like superhero movies. I mean, look, I, he's not wrong. I don't blame him for feeling that way. As much as I love the Marvel and DC movies myself, sometimes I get a little sick of that stuff too. I'm not going to lie. And again, I'm not even faulting him in it. What I'm saying is it makes being a fan of his now more complicated. Uh, I see. I, I I hear your point. And, but I just feel like Scorsese has, he has continually tried to challenge himself and he has con continually tried to be be very ambitious, you know, whether or not you think the Irishman is too long, short, three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, you know, here you have a filmmaker who's doing stuff like The Departed and Silence and The Irishman while also doing documentaries on Bob Dylan and George Harrison. And The Stones, and the, man. And the Stones and the band. So I think this guy is always doing something and whether he's 80 years old this year, I, I think it's pretty cool that he is still pushing himself and challenging himself. I don't disagree. I, I, I'm i not even talking about the Marvel thing because like they are theme park rides. It's why Disney owns them. A theme park company. <laughs> True. I'm like, come on now. I'm not in any illusion on that. I'm more talking about what he's saying now about how commercialistic movies have gotten and how like, you know, it's much more about the bottom line and da da da, -da. Movies should make a profit, but this is art, da da da, -da. And look, I've studied black exploitation. The reason why black exploitation exists is because nobody gave any of the money. And when new Hollywood people like that were coming up through Corman, like Coppola and Spielberg and all those folks were coming through, one of the reasons why they were able to get pushed through to the studio system was because they did not have to be forced out of it and they could go through the launching pad. But but Jacqueline, you know, I think that Scorsese's point has more to do with, with just the way the times have changed. For even, him. Wait, for wait, him. No, no, no. Hang on. <laughs> Just a minute. Hear me out here. Because even before COVID, what was happening? There was turning out to be a bigger gap between the types of movies that people were going to see in theaters and the types of movies that people were going to stay home and watch on streaming services. And all that, all that the pandemic did was it sped that process up where you have a much, much bigger gap between the types of movies that people are going to see in theaters, which is the comic book stuff. The theme park rides. The theme yeah. park rides. Because you got to leave your house to go to a theme park. Right. And, you know, when I saw Top Gun Maverick, which I love, is my favorite movie of 2022. I love Top Gun Maverick. I saw it in theaters five times. I love the hell out of that movie. And that movie brought a lot of people back to theaters who hadn't been to the movie since before March of 2020. But it is there's still a gap. There's still a gap, which is why... So many movies now are, you know, like mid-budget, low-budget. They're just going straight to Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, Plus, uh, Peacock. And and I get it. And I get it. And I, th I think that that for Scorsese, I think that part of his – I mean, I, I can't speak for him. Me either. Okay? But I think that there is – like when I hear him say stuff like that, I think that that's part of it. I think that it's just that, that people are more – 
But that's not what he says. He says specifically he finds it disturbing and sometimes disgusting that now, and the quote exactly was, everything is bent on a commercialistic bent. Like they're the first thought is, is this going to make any money? And And they don't make, and he's not wrong. And the, what I would say to him is this is just a very clear statement. There is not a single black filmmaker that has not been the consent, the the situation from the get. There's not a single female filmmaker where that has not been the consideration from the get. So so, you're saying that, that Scorsese is feeling now what black filmmakers were feeling in the seventies. This is exactly what black people feel. And that's what's frustrating to me is because I studied that. Like, and this is the thing I think when these situations happen, Mm -hmm. What does end up happening usually is other things pop off. And I'm more interested from the type Mm -hmm. of movies that are going to be born out of these new financial imperatives because I think they're going to be avant-garde. I think they're going to be interesting. I think they're going to live in different places. And I think they're going to really show us because that's what black exploitation did. The entire 90s. Uh, sort of action movement was built off of black exploitation, which was born out of exclusion. But I think that's the great thing about artists. Yes, and, and whether exactly. w- whether you're talking about a filmmaker like Scorsese or you're talking about anybody else in really any other line of artistic endeavor, yeah. when you are handcuffed, yes, it sucks. It does. But you tend to use your artistic ability and your sensibilities to figure out a way to get out of that. Like, and, yeah, like and, Shyamalan did when he went back to glass. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the yeah. most the most obvious example is, hey, Steve, the shark isn't working today. Yeah, um, we got to figure something else out. And so you just you have these hurdles that you have to overcome, much more so that are societal, as far as what Jacqueline's talking about. But with a guy like Martin Scorsese, who's eighty, or somebody who wants to be a young Scorsese, you're figuring your way out to make a movie and to get it seen, to get eyeballs on, on it, it that is outside of just that theme park system. Yes. as he would say but i would point anybody who's an aspiring filmmaker to look at goodfellas and casino not just in terms of hey it's a really good movie right (laughs) but i would challenge especially with casino because i think we can all agree there's some fat to be trimmed there i'm not sure i'm not smart enough to know where it is but when i'm watching the big difference Yes. Between Goodfellas and Casinos to me is that I feel like when I'm watching Casinos, especially in one sitting like you did, Scott, is I'll get to be about two hours in and I'm like, wait, have we already seen this? Yeah. Has, has this already it's happened? Redundant. It it's, is redundant. It's, and right. I love it, everything. But when I I find myself missing in Casino that I, I that I get in Goodfellas is a Ray Liotta. Yeah. Is somebody who's just driving that action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the, in, in Casino... De Niro's character, Sam Rothman, uh, Rothstein is the one driving the action. But Sam Rothstein is not as interesting as Henry Hill. He's just not. Right. Also, yeah. let's look at Goodfellas for what it is. Henry Hill, the actual man, was a drug addict, a womanizer, like literally the most despicable degenerate you would ever meet. And the biggest conceit of Goodfellas is making him seem like a good guy for the first hour. You know what I mean? He's a good fella. Like that's it helps to show him as a kid. Yeah. It really does because, help to show him. Because as we can all root for a kid. Well, because yeah. because you're also seeing, because you do show him as a kid, you're seeing the loss of innocence. Yes. And you don't have that in casino. Mm-hmm. No. He's already, you know, a man about town. So one thing I will say with with Goodfellas that I found the difference and I, I think you touched on it. One, I still feel Martin Scorsese's like independent came up outside of, you know, the studio system Coppola sort of mentality in making Goodfellas because if you really look at his filmography, he went to more established things in the middle until he got to the, the King of Comedy. And King of Comedy was such like a left field turn for him in so many ways that I really feel like with Goodfellas, this was him trying to return back to what he had with Mean Streets. Well, 
okay, you brought up. I'm glad you brought up the '80s. Yeah, because starting with Raging Bull, which technically is a '70s movie, even though it came out in 1980, the, mm-hmm. 1980 is still considered the '70s. It is. Just for the record on that, even though when it comes to best movies of the '80s, it's always Raging Bull, <laughs> right? So here's the thing about about the '80s and about the King of Comedy, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I know you love it too, Mister Pupkin. You know, better to be kink for a night than schmuck for a lifetime. Agreed. But but listen, so. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The 80s are the most misunderstood decade of Martin Scorsese's career because after the 70s, which I think is his most crucial period of time when you had Mean Streets, when you had obviously Taxi Driver, but also the underrated New York, New York in 77 Mm. and The Last Waltz in 78, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best concert movies ever made, period. I think that's his his most fruitful period. But then after Raging Bull, he does The King of Comedy, which which at the time was misunderstood, mixed reviews. And then After Hours, which hardly anyone saw, very, very mixed reviews. And then The Color of Money, which at the time got negative reviews. Now, on Rotten Tomatoes, all three of those movies, the Rotten Tomatoes scores are very, 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 very certified fresh with like the high 80s or the low 90s. And I think the reason for that is a lot of those newer reviews are done by people looking back versus at the time. So the reason I bring that up is because in the documentary Life Itself about Roger Ebert, So Scorsese is interviewed for that. And there's a great moment in that film when Scorsese says, I remember when Roger Ebert reviewed The Color of Money and he gave it a bad review. And he said, you know, you're better than this. (laughs) He said, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) He didn't actually say that. But he says, really? Come on, Marty. You are better than this. I'll give you a pass for now, but that's it. The next one better be better. And you see Scorsese talking about it like – that Martin Scorsese was hurt by that. It's like a coach yeah. telling you, you got to give more of an effort yes. in the game. But looking back on those films, Color of Money is a great film. It's the only movie in which Paul Newman won a competitive acting Oscar for lead actor for, for you know, Fast Eddie Fels. Um After Hours is a wild film. I love that movie. Really, really underground. New York, New York is the only one on that one I feel is horribly um, misunderstood, but yeah. not for the ways you think. And Color of Money is just a good movie that had the mistake of casting Tom Cruise. But, but, <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, uh, the king of comedy is, was ahead of its time. 
It yeah. got great reviews when it came out and was called The Joker. I, well, I love. It didn't I get that great of reviews. It didn't get that great. It did. I'm like, you're bringing me back to some PTSD. And about it was that just movie. called Joker, not the Joker. The Joker, <laughs> uh, which Martin Scorsese actually produced on. So that was like the other thing is like yeah. he got he got his movie to Best Picture, however many years later. The few decades later. <laughs> A few yeah. decades later. But so, but I understand why people would call Goodfellas the pinnacle of his career because at least up until like that, it felt like everything that he had done up until 1990 had sort of culminated with Goodfellas, but it was also sort of a look back and like sort of a more updated mean streets. At least it had that sort of feel, but you also just had these characters, these, th- this triumvirate and, and God love Paul Sorvino, uh, uh, rest in peace. I always felt like, like sometimes he's on the poster, but I always felt like he's just, he's the guy in the background. Mm. And then you have De Niro and Leota and Pesci but when, front. when you see the images, when you see the, the from that photo session, when you see Paul Servino with them. It's look, pretty cool. Paul Servino's Paulie. He's the guy behind the guy behind the guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he shows up, you know, what? what is it that, that Henry Hill says? You know, Paulie didn't say much. He wasn't, he didn't, he didn't move fast. He didn't have to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. No one got, no one really had access to Paulie. Uh, I I love Paul, Paul Servino's character in that film. In fact, I love all of the characters in that film. I think the characters, whether the main characters, the supporting characters, or even the characters you just kind of like see for a second, are much, much more memorable and iconic and more defined than in Casino. Remember that scene in the bar in, in near the beginning of Goodfellas after Henry Hill turns into Ray Liotta? Is he goes into bar? Oh, and this is uh, you know uh, 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 Nicky eyes, and this is uh, Jimmy two times because he said everything twice. I'm gonna go get the yeah. papers. Get, get the, the papers. papers. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know what happens to Jimmy two times. Also, Jimmy like, two times. I know someone who has written a like spec script prequel on stacks. Oh, oh really? is that right? yeah, I know stacks? somebody who's no. written uh, basically. How did Stax end up getting shot? Oh, like right. like that whole story. How did he end up with these white boys? And How it's like a kind of a, sleep at the wheel. Yeah, and <laughs> it was like a, a really tragic tale because it talks about his girlfriend and like really what happened and like the rumor was that he got high and like but it wasn't that wasn't really what happened. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like this whole idea of like Stax getting set up and I know somebody that wrote that. But that's the whole point. Every one of those Martin Scorsese characters you could write a whole backstory mm-hmm. on. And it's mm-hmm. tough for me if I had to give you my favorite scene in Goodfellas. It's it is impossible to do, and it's really dependent on my mood. Like, there's some movies where I'm like, that's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. With this one, you could obviously point to that extended shot when he's walking to the back of the restaurant. Love it. In fact, that shot, by the way, was so iconic that when it came to Swingers in 1996, directed yeah. by Doug Lyman, like, he basically recreated that shot when they're walking through the, uh, I think it's the- The swing the Dres- club. Uh, the, the swing club. Was it, um, was it the Dresden? I or, or Or, or- Anyway, I remember them clubs. talking about that shot in the movie yeah. and they're just a bunch of actors. So, you know, it took him three days to light that. It's just yeah, sort of and like then you see them do it themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And but, but the one that I love currently is I, I love Pesci's hot headedness. And so really? you Why can point funny? to the clown scene, but I love the shine box scene. That scene kills me because it's such a great example. And if you don't know it, they're all they're all hanging out of the bar. And then another group comes in and they're with a different crew and, and the crews have a re- respect for each other. So you don't touch one another. But Pesci used to work and used to shine the shoes of this guy. And so this guy is 
reminding Joe Pesci of where he came from. And Pesci's got a date with them. And he's, ah, you know, yes, he's he and feels he's, like he's being embarrassed. He just has to keep saying it. And it's the problem with being in the mob is it's just never enough. You got to go back to the cookie jar one more time. You got to do one more job. You got to do one more kill. And this poor bastard, Billy Bat says, Go get your shine bar. And he just can't he resist it. it. If he had it. just not said that and just gone back to his party, everything would have been cool. Yeah, he would not have he would not have been whacked. He would not have been knocked yeah. off, yeah. which would which eventually led to Tommy being right as a made man. Now, I'm glad you brought that scene up, the the shine box scene, because that scene is very reminiscent in good in a casino of the pen. Yes. Mm, the yeah. pen scene in Casino equals the shine box scene in Good See, Fox. I always thought the um the micro imperioli scene and um that was the pen. Oh, because it, it basically yeah. this idea of both of these movies that at any point violence can be the the response to Anything, mm, literally mm, anything. And that's why the clown scene is so good because yes. you don't know yes. if Joe Pesci is actually upset Set. with yes. Leota. Yes. And that is actually what sets the framework for that. Yeah. Like of everything later of like, this dude will kill people right. for the most like slight. He's killed people for less. Yes. And guess what? So will Jimmy the Gen. I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. yeah. But listen, get the, the most iconic scene of Goodfellas, of perhaps Martin Scorsese's movies, period, is why am I funny? What makes me funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What am I yeah, clowns? Clown. Yeah, funny? Clown, yeah. Because because here's the thing, no matter how many times you watch Goodfellas, when you get to that moment, you're like, uh oh, here we go. Yeah. It makes you feel just as uncomfortable the 30th <laughs> time as it did the first time. Yeah. And you know, you're really like like Henry is like, uh he's scared. Like he's scared. And then he just like blinked his eyes. He goes, get the hell out of here, Tommy. You know, but that scene, it's just one of the most quoted, one of the most referenced, one of the most famous scenes of Scorsese's, and if not movies of the, of the eighties and the nineties. And I just don't think that casino has a moment like that. I I think that the pet Mm. scene is, is a great scene. I think that the scene when Ginger played by uh, golden globe winner, Sharon Stone, when she goes back to, to, to De Niro's home to get her stuff and the cops are there. That's a great scene just because the two of them are, are such great actors and she was also nominated for that. Uh, but I just don't think that Casino, there's no one scene of Casino that is as good as as a bunch of individual scenes in Goodfellas. Well, I think the thing with Goodfellas and that scene in particular that you're talking about with the clown is it's one of these few scenes in the movies that tells the movie in the scene. Everything that is important about right. Goodfellas you know is all in, the that, characters. in that scene. You know the characters, you know the stakes, you know how dangerous this can be. And even Tommy with his joke, you may falter under questioning. It also gives you the preview of what's going to happen later. So it's like the scene in Edgar Wright's um, uh, in Shaun of the Dead where they say what they're going to do. You know, we're going to go I drop on and marry. It's like, it's, it's that. It, it's like the scene in the middle of Tar when she's sitting with her mentor and she's basically talking about what's going to happen to her by the end of the movie. Really, really masterful movies can bring what they are down to one essential scene, put it in the middle of the movie that can then tell that story tangentially. And you're right. There is a scene like that in Casino. But the stupid thing is, it's only the 30 seconds at the beginning of the movie right before he blows up. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. That's it. Also at the end. And at the end. So basically it just bookends it. And it's not really one big scene. It's just in 30 seconds of him sitting in that car kind of talking through how he got here and the loneliness of him being here, thinking back to Sharon, and then he blows up, 
That's Casino. I, I, you know, when I was rewatching Casino and I was watching the end of Casino and Sam Rothstein, Ace, is thinking of how how all the real casinos were demolished to make way for Disneyland in Las Vegas. Mm. And I'm thinking this is Martin Scorsese who shot Taxi Driver in Times Square in the 70s when it was dirty and grimy and dangerous. And now Times Square, New York, is yeah. like Disneyland. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, all this talk about Tommy and Joe Pesci is basically playing a, I would say, a uh, a, a more muted version of the same character in Casino. But Jimmy the Gent, De Niro in Goodfellas, they call him Jimmy the Gent for a reason because, you know, he's smiling, he's he he thinks that he makes you think that you're on his side and like that moment after the shine box when when uh everyone exits the bar and the door is closed and then you know you see you know Jimmy the Gent you see you know De Niro stepping on the guy's face and then there's the whole moment uh after the Lufthansa heist when Jimmy gets paranoid and he starts knocking off the other wise guys yeah yeah. I, I think the other thing, too, is remember in the moment when they kill Billy Bats, uh, Ray Liotta, Henry Hill, is, is at first horrified. He didn't think it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. It was just the same way when um, they didn't think they were going to kill the mattress rug guy, the guy with the with the toupee. <laughs> what was his name? I forget his name. Bats. Uh, no, no. The other guy. The, the the guy that was like given. No, not Bats. The other guy. The guy that Robert De Niro, who had the Morty. Morty. The guy with the rug. Oh, Morty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Morty. Yeah. He could jump in a pool and yeah. it stays yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, no, Morty, Morty. That guy, when I want my money, I want my money. <laughs> when when they kill him that night again in the car, Henry is so naive. He literally just believes that these people are going to make it out of the violence because he made it out of all the violence. But he's also willing to subscribe to the violence if need be. Yeah. And another one of my favorite scenes is the pistol whip scene because he hears that uh, you know Lorraine Bracco calls him frantic and he comes yeah. home. Yeah, I was going to say that's my favorite scene, but if I can tell it, there, well, have at it. Thank you. I was going to say, because Ashanti's <laughs> Foolish uh, is my favorite scene. Uh, like uh, I was actually going to set it up this way. I like how Goodfellas permeated the culture in a way that Casino did not. And it wasn't because that wasn't the time that movies could permeate the culture. Age of Innocence permeated the culture more than Casino did in a lot of ways, especially with women of my age. But the scene when Lorraine Bracco is confronting Henry Hill, I think, is the biggest comedy of the world uh, when she with the, yeah when she's, sitting on, with when she's sitting on him mm -hmm. because he's dating mm -hmm. janet ross you know the the whore that she's mm -hmm. buzzing on her door her pointing that gun to him is the most hilarious thing it's like giving drug dealers the death penalty as if this guy is not <laughs> literally existing with a gun to his head every day he does not care about you and so of course he leaves it's a horrible bit of domestic violence but i just love the comedy of her thinking that her love and what was between her legs, which she's literally holding him down with, and a gun could keep this man from getting in the streets. It's the <laughs> dumbest thing ever. I loved it. I feel like the scene at Casino that I find myself gearing up for and that I'm waiting, not to the level of the clown scene, but it's when Ace and his cronies at the casino catch those two Mm. who are trying to game the system. Oh, right. And they yeah. catch him and they, and they take him back and they smash a dude's hand because it also gives me some Don Rickles screen time. And I love that Don Rickles is his manager. Is in his a way, assistant uh, manager, Mr. Yeah. Las Vegas is, uh -huh. is the assistant manager at the casino. That's wonderful to me. But I also find myself oddly looking forward to every scene with James Woods because he's just yeah. so skeezy in it and she just can't quit him. And I just want Ginger to graduate. Well, this is the thing with her. Her dice scene is an incredible 
incredible character introduction. Yeah. That is a great yeah. character introduction. Up. Just her throwing it up. Uh, throwing all the chips. Yeah, like that That whole scene. And, and that's a great character introduction scene because she doesn't say hardly anything in that scene and you know exactly who she is and what she's about. And also why Robert De Niro is instantly besotted with her. I, I love, you know, both of those movies use music in the same way. They use a soundtrack to to propel the story forward as a score. You know, the songs move into one each other and move into one another. You know, some songs are used for like just a few seconds, some for much, much longer. So so there's also that style of casino that's very similar to Goodfellas. But I think that Goodfellas does a much, much better job of the music. I mean, Every time you you say those words, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. How mm. could I go from rags to riches? <laughs> but also, to this day, no matter where I am, driving, if I'm just out somewhere and I hear the music over a loudspeaker or whatever, whenever I hear Derek and the Dominoes Layla, yeah. <laughs> in my mind's eye, I am thinking of all the wise guys turning up dead mm. after the Lufthansa heist because Jimmy had them whacked because he was getting too paranoid. I also love the ending credits hearing Sid Vicious sing Frank Sinatra's My Way. Yeah. Yes. Um, the end, that, that's, I will have to say the ending of Goodfellas, as much as I love that movie, I do feel it just, it doesn't stick the landing the way I the other one. I think it does. Absolutely. <sighs> what, with does. Henry Hill getting the newspaper? No. He's getting the newspaper. And then there's Henry that, Hill was still a drug addict at the end. He should have just been showing him as a drug addict. <laughs> but but that, that, that moment of him getting in the newspaper, looking into the camera, breaking the fourth wall, smiling, and then there's that, that throwback to the great train robbery of the cowboy shooting the gun at the camera, only in this case, it's Tommy emptying his pistol into the camera, and then you hear my way. That is just a, that's, that gets me the chills to see Tommy, to see Joe Pesci point the gun at the camera. But and don't just you feel like they needed the that stinger because they knew how flat the minute before no, that I, felt? I, no, no. I, I felt I think, like that was a bit of trickery at the end. I was actually surprised when I rewatched Goodfellas because I forgot about the gun shooting at the camera. I thought it was just Henry Hill getting the newspaper and then just then this breaks the fourth wall for a minute. So I forgot about that 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 little post. Yeah, yeah, and again, Moment. most people don't know that that's a that's a callback. Yes, that's Scorsese's, you know, film right. love and knowledge and appreciation going back to the Great Train Robbery. Well, this is what I was saying. So that Great Train Robbery, it's a big epic film. Mm -hmm. Like sure. that's the kicker, is what I was trying to say. I think Goodfellas, he wanted it to feel like Casino, but he didn't have the resources, skill, time, whatever, to make it as grand and as big as he did. And so that's why I feel like. Casino, again, just feels like a do-over and a do-over for something that he didn't need to do over. But do you, I, I like Scott's question earlier that he posed at the top. If Casino had came out first, is that the movie we're all talking about? Because I still feel no. like Goodfellas is the better movie. No. I think Goodfellas is the better movie, but Jacqueline, Jacqueline, if Casino came out first, I know it's hard to, hard to erase Goodfellas from your mind and just look at Casino. Try Try to just imagine that Casino, uh, that that Goodfellas never happened, and it's 1990, and Casino is his first movie in theaters. Do I think that that's the movie we would be talking about? I think it would here? be The Age of yes, Innocence. Yes, I do. No, <laughs> no I, I think it would be Does it beat Dances with Wolves at no, the Oscars? Absolutely well, not. Goodfellas didn't beat Dance with Wolves. There's <laughs> no mean, way Casino is going to be. Casino that's the reason why I'm saying it's like I I am going back to that time, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. Those movies didn't work like that back then. They've started to work like that now. The gangster movie, like we're thinking of it, that Martin Scorsese was doing, 
I don't think if they were reversed, it would have changed it because at the time, the sentiments and taste said that this type of movie wasn't it yet. And that's why he tried to elevate it and it still didn't work. Well, I, I love, I love Dancing with Wolves. I mean, you know, for people to say, oh my God, you know, I can't believe Goodfellas didn't win and, and Dancing with Wolves won Best Picture over Goodfellas. You know, they always put down Dancing with Wolves when they say that, when in fact, Dancing with Wolves is a beautiful, epic film. And that is why it won because it was a sweeping, moving epic and it was more like the great train yes. robbery. Uh, yeah kind of was <laughs> and, that's, and that's what i'm trying to say it's like it's the difference between you know saving private ryan versus you know shakespeare in love and i get why people prefer the big epic but wait a minute hang on the reason that dance with wolves that dance with wolves won over goodfellas it's the same reason that that the king's speech won over the social network yes the social network is a much much better film it is a movie that 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 is so much more stylistic, has so much more going on. But you know, the King's Speech it was a safer bet, mm. so that's why people picked it. I I I, I think that I don't not disagree. much had changed. Not what, and that's also why I think Casino, as much as it is a much safer, more auteur version, when you get down to it, at that time, those people's tastes were not going that way. And fun fact: the icing on the cake of the point that y'all were making. What did win the year Casino came out? Oh, wait, wait, wait! Braveheart. That's exactly. Right. Pretty, pretty big sweeping up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, but the sweeping epic. And Casino epic, wasn't even nominated. And Casino wasn't even nominated. And you got to look at it this way. The kind of sweeping epic they like. War movies, uh, big uh, romances like The English Patient or Titanic. Think about those tastes at the time. This those was not tastes that. at the time. Because if you look back to just a few years ago, a big war epic did not win Best Picture. It went to Parasite. Exactly. So mm -hmm. the tastes have changed. Right. And so that is the reason yeah. why I think. And by like, the way. I called it yes, right he here did. on Rotten Tomatoes. This is what happens when you get two Oscar experts in the room talking about Martin Scorsese. It's going to go to the statues. And so the crazy thing about his career when you look at it is that the guys won one Best Directing Oscar, and it was for The Departed, which is a movie that I find very rewatchable, mm -hmm. but I don't put it in his top five best movies. I and love I even, The Departed, but it's not nearly as good as Good. And he's not, it's not. It's a Scorsese movie because he made it, but it's not a Scorsese movie. I agree. It's like more, it's it. more like uh, uh, dial back yes. compared to Casino and to Goodfellas. Exactly. And uh, to, um, you know, one movie we haven't really talked about much in comparing the style of Casino and Goodfellas is The Wolf of Wall Street uh, because it has that voiceover, that fast editing, and also that three-hour running time. And yeah. a much yeah. more despicable lead, which yes. is necessary for this. Mm. Um I think we've got it, but I will give you, sir, Mr. Scott Mance, the final <laughs> thoughts uh, on Mr. Martin Scorsese, because I feel like you will place him in a better thing. Because I think anyone listening to this is going to feel like a Martin Scorsese hate. I'm not. There's probably 10 films in his filmography that it would easily be something that I would go on a desert island with, including a movie like Silence and Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, two films that we didn't even mention today that are like lesser popular versions of his filmography And they're not that I love. known as the classic Scorsese movies, which is why I put Hugo in there too. Yes, exactly. Hugo blew me away Hugo and only great. a guy with the talent and the knowledge of film history like Martin Scorsese could could make it. Could, could have made that movie. It was, was that 2011? 2011, yes it was. Yeah. Wow. So movie release dates, baby. That's my man. Yeah. That's so my what's, man. <laughs> what's your final thought to wish this man an actual happy birthday with a little bit less of my melancholy? <laughs> I, I would say, listen, I mean, the guy's 80 years old. I think I love that he is still 
like really busy. Uh, you know, he's he's working on a film right now that I know that he wrapped with with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, that that a lot of people thought might come out this year, but it's not going to happen. But I just think that the fact that he is still challenging himself at eighty years old, that he's still pushing himself. That, that he's still so busy is his hand in so many things, whether it's documentaries or feature films. And and it's been like that since since basically the early 70s with Mean Streets. And I just think that 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 when Martin Scorsese puts out a new film, and I feel this way about Spielberg too, when Scorsese puts out a new film, it's like getting a new Beatles album. <laughs> now we're not getting new Beatles albums, but we are getting like a new a new Martin Scorsese movie. Like, like I love that the Fablemans is a new Spielberg movie. He is still directing films. He is still challenging himself. Uh, you know, I loved West Side Story. I just think that it came out at a bad time because it was when Omicron was surging. Really, really unfortunate. But I cannot wait until Scorsese's next movie. I can't wait till Spielberg's next movie. And I already saw Fablemans and I loved it. But I just, uh, you know, his, when you think of Scorsese, you know, your, your, your quick, Thought or Scorsese is Goodfellas, is Taxi Driver, is is The Departed, is Raging Bull. Uh, maybe not The Departed, but th- those three films alone, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, and Raging Bull, three of the greatest movies ever, ever made. And uh, and he's still making them. Yeah, that is a, that is a great epitaph for this sort of like remembrance, even though he's still with us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think that's a good place to place. And we're going to go ahead and open up the mailbag because we're not just talking about Martin Scorsese. We have some folks that have written in. So, Brian, cue the music. Okay, this week we have Ketchup Crew member Stacy Packham. And I just finished listening to your recently released podcast of the top 10 scariest movies. And I was surprised there weren't any mentions of the original Amityville Horror. Sorry, Stacy, that list was trash. <laughs> I lived in a massive three-story house built in the 1890s. And we had a few scares while living there. So the two scariest memories are the red eyes of Jody outside of the youngest daughter's bedroom, as well as the sinister voice to tell the priest, get Ouch. Jeez. Uh, when I first read this, I thought that happened at Stacy's house. I'm serious. <laughs> and I was like, um, get out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a new listener as of today's episodes. Oh, Stacy. And I really enjoyed your conversation with the co-host. Hey, Stacy. Appreciate you. Glad you're a new listener. We could always use those. I'm not trashing our scariest horror movies list, but it was much more an iconic horror movies list to me than a scary horror. Yeah, Am- yeah. Amityville always just feels like it gets slighted a little bit from your Exorcists and your Omens yes. and your other like classic 70s horror movies. Halloween. It just it feels like it's that next tier. But as far as the premise alone goes, it's as horrifying as anything. Dude. When I saw that yeah. movie, when it came out, I was terrified, and I remember watching a news report on the real story of the Lutzes, uh, you know, and that because it was based on a true story, just just made it scarier. But I I don't think it's as well made as I mean my favorite haunted house movie of all time, my favorite scary movie of all time, a movie that I literally just watched on Halloween night and it's st- still scared the hell out of me is The Shining. There it is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The Shining is Sky- my favorite The Shining scary didn't movie. scare me the first time I watched it and hasn't scared I me since. I love that movie. I found it funny. It's not funny. I found anything. him funny. Yeah, well, you weren't staying in room 237. Yeah. I, I got a bad. Stay out. Stay Wait, out of room 237. I, I was dirtier leaving the shower. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a scary movie. This movie was unfortunately a product of pop culture before it was something that I watched. And so mm, all of the yeah. iconic things that were supposed to be in Uncanny Valley, I was like, oh, that's from The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> 
And that and that happens <laughs> oh, sometimes when things. Oh, did it already. You know, well, it wasn't that. That's just where I saw it first, obviously, because nobody was letting me watch The Shining mm-hmm. when I was. See, you when know, you watch, when you watch like a uh, an iconic moment reenacted for for laughs. And then you go back and watch it in the way that it was originally intended. It's just never it's scary. It's not. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, right. don't get me wrong. <laughs> I know The Shining is scary, but that movie in particular, I saw it the wrong way. Everything I saw in it funny. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I why I you. think I could watch The Exorcist now, but I still am going to avoid that nah, movie. I stay away from it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not uh, going to do that to myself. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. And Stacy, thank you so much for your email and for listening in. Thank you for being a Ketchup Crew member. You can be cool like Stacy. Just email us at Rotten Tomatoes is wrong at RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you see us. But before we get out of here, Scott, sir, please let folks know where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Mance. That's with a TZ. So uh, yeah, shoot me a tweet or or follow me there. And uh, I'm very active on social media, so I will engage. Always, always a good like when you I, get one from Scott. Vance. It is. It is a good like. Uh, have you uh, got a movie recommendation for us, sir? Besides Top Gun, which you have definitely put been uh, been in the cheerleader section. I for. love that movie. Yeah. I love Top Gun. It is the best movie of the year. I think it is okay. Okay, but besides Top Gun. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll go with the Fablemans. Okay, Fablemans that's another great one. Is uh, you, you all know, have both seen that already? Both of those, yeah. Okay, now the thing, about, get, the the thing uh, about the Fablemans. There's a Fablemans screening coming up. I, I just want to say the Fablemans is is one of many movies that for some reason all these great directors are going back and doing their personal films. Kenneth Branagh just won a, his screenplay Academy. I mean, Award the one that started it, that started it was in this iteration was Alfonso. Right, Alfonso, sure. Yeah. With, uh, with Roma. Roma. With that was Roma. the first one, and then they've all now, kind of been doing yeah. it. And not just the males. Charlotte Wells has After Sun. There's a few. You know, James Gray has Armageddon Time. Yeah. But uh, but uh, Fablemans is is um, a culmination of a lot of things because when you watch Spielberg's film and you realize his family dynamic in, in ways that are subtle and not very subtle, have made their way into so many of his films over the years, like Close Encounters and E.T. and Poltergeist. And um, I just think it's a wonderful film. Yeah, I, I say my favorite part of that is the uh, old master's conversation he has in it. Uh, I think John Ford makes a great cameo oh, in that Oh, boy, yeah. does yeah. he make a great cameo. You guys got uh, me in the theater. All yep. right, that is it for us today. Um, thank you again, Scott. Oh, and- hey, speaking of the king of comedy. What? My special tape's December 3rd in L.A. You can get tickets at markellis.live. It's right here in Los Angeles, December 3rd. Two shows, the new hour special. I will actually be here. You're going to kidnap me, aren't you? No, but I may show up. You should. Because, Both like, y'all should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still have yet to see you do comedy despite all of my efforts. And you, I still you've think, seen me before. I've seen you, yeah. but the person I live with has not. And right. I don't think he believes me when I say that you're a comedian. He knows you're funny. And he I fakes still an say, I still say to everyone watching and listening to this podcast, Mark Ellis, I still challenge you to see a movie you have never seen before, a movie that I've recommended to you that is streaming on HBO Max because you look so much like Richard Jordan that you need to watch Logan's Run. Oh, Thank wow. Thank you okay. very much. All right. Yeah, you didn't Because if Logan's we didn't Run. have Star Wars in 77. You had Logan's Run in 76. I will wow. do it for you. Thank I for you, I will Thank do it. Thank you, my yeah. man. Yep. Thank you, gentlemen, for the tour of the 70s. This I really appreciate it. Uh, we end Scorsese podcast <laughs> with Logan's Run. I mean, okay, we're going to see exactly. you next week on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is Wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank y'all for listening. 
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.